This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Monster Books Podcast the horror book podcast where I talk about kids' books that adult horror fans will love. Today's topic is cosmic horror for middle grade books. So first of all, middle grade is usually 8 to 12 years old. Uh, Don't let that turn you off though, there are plenty of really entertaining and really creepy stories out there for a middle grade audience. They're still appropriate for kids, but adult fans will love them as well. So since we're talking about cosmic horror today, first of all, let's just define what cosmic horror is. Cosmic horror is the fear and awe of facing an unknowable and vast universe, essentially. Feeling insignificant in the grand scheme of things and knowing that the vast unknowable world around you is either completely indifferent to you or it's completely malevolent and wishes you ill at every turn. A lot of people call this Lovecraftian horror. I don't like using that term for a few reasons. First of all, H.P. Lovecraft was a horrible, horrible racist, and I don't like um, invoking his name unless I'm specifically discussing his work. Um, And there is a place to discuss his work and talk about his contributions to cosmic horror, but I don't like giving him credit for a genre, or a subgenre rather, because it's not something that Lovecraft invented. It's not something that only Lovecraft has done. He's not the only person who's ever written cosmic horror stories, and he's not the only person who has explored the terror of knowing how small and insignificant you are, the fear of basically being the universe's plaything. So that's one reason, because H.P. Lovecraft was a horrible person. That's... <laughs> And the other reason is I really like the sense of scale that cosmic horror gives. Just the word lets you know right away, you know, think of it as an individual person against the cosmos. It immediately gives you that sense of awe and terror and just existential despair in the face of all these forces that you can't comprehend. You can never see the inner workings. You'll never understand them. And if you could understand them, you would lose your mind at how little you matter and how much, quite possibly, the universe hates you. (laughs) And um, it might seem like an odd thing to laugh at, but existential despair is kind of my jam. So I'm a really big fan of cosmic horror. Uh, So now that we've established that I like things bleak, let's talk about some kids books. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about Apocalypse Taco, which I'm I'm big on cover art and I'm big on titles, and Apocalypse Taco had me at the jump. It's written and illustrated by Nathan Hale. Uh, it's a graphic novel, and I know that there might be some prejudice in the book community among horror fans about kids' books, which is the reason I wanted to start this podcast. I really believe that there is a wealth of really smart really scary horror out there that's being written for kids. And I think it's important that kids 
get into horror from an early age. It helps them explore their fears. It helps them understand the world around them. And it addresses very specific things that kids deal with that they need to be able to work out through fiction. That's why a lot of horror fans love horror so much. It helps us work out our demons and work out our fears in pretty safe and healthy ways and enjoyable ways. Uh, so that's why I'm such a champion for kids' horror literature. And that's why I think adults should read a lot of kids' horror literature. A lot of those fears never go away. You know, a lot of kids' horror deals with, you know, the fear of losing a parent, the fear of becoming a different version of yourself. If it's a puberty story, and honestly, when are we ever not becoming different versions of ourselves? So there are a lot of fears that are universal, but that are still pretty specific to kids' horror. So I like to explore that and let adult horror fans know, you know what, it's okay to read a picture book. It's okay to read a book that was written for eight-year-olds. You know, good literature is good literature. I'm, I'm a big fan of never growing up, never growing out of the things that you love. That's not to say you can't look back on things that you loved as a kid with a more critical, more discerning eye. There are some things that we all grew up with that when we look back in hindsight think, that was a little iffy. That was probably not as progressive as it should have been, not as inclusive as it should have been. But there's a lot of amazing art out there for kids from animated films, to music, to books, to TV shows. Kids books have things to say to everybody. And that's, I wanted to let horror fans know, here's some really good books you can check out if you're into cosmic horror, if you are a Lovecraft fan, if you are into horror movies that deal with the cruelty of the universe, essentially, you might like this kid's comic book. So that's what we're talking about today. That was a bit of a tangent, but we're going to get back to Apocalypse Taco now because I know you want to hear about the Apocalypse Taco. First off, I'm going to hit you with the synopsis. Sid, Axel, and Ivan volunteer to make a late-night fast food run for the high school theater crew, and when they return, they find themselves. Not in a deep, metaphoric sense, they find copies of themselves on stage. As they look closer, they begin to realize that the world around them isn't quite right. Turns out, when they went to the taco place across town, they actually crossed into an alien dimension that's eerily similar to their world. The aliens have made sinister copies of cars, buildings, and people, and they all want to get Sid, Axel, and Ivan. Now the group will have to use their wits, their truck, and even their windshield scraper to escape, but they may be too late. They may now be copies themselves. So strange things are afoot at the Taco Bear. When these theater kids go out for a snack run, they go through the drive-thru at the Taco Bear, and when they reach the drive-thru window, they're suddenly in an alternate dimension. They find melting walls and carnivorous nachos and demons made out of teeth and grad students with an indeterminate number of arms and some really scary freaking bees. I'm never going to say, for a kid's book, this is really scary because there are some very frightening kid's books out there this one included. It's so creepy and so disturbing. You know, I, I'm a big fan of doppelganger stories. The terror of coming into contact with your mirror image or your close mirror image. It's like looking in the mirror and seeing the uncanny valley sometimes. It's almost there, but it's not quite right. And that's so disturbing on just a visceral level. I love that aspect of this book. But it's also really wild and wacky and the humor is really absurdist. I'm a big fan of absurdist humor as well. There's a lot of just really disgusting stuff. If you like weird fiction, or if you're a Cronenberg fan, there's there's quite a bit of body horror. You know, like I mentioned, a creature made entirely out of teeth, 
and someone with just way too many arms. It's really disturbing. <laughs> but there's so much going on in the book. There's humor, there's sci-fi, there's horror, there's weird fiction, and the imagery is so disturbing and so creepy. I'm also a big champion for comic books and graphic novels. If you think you don't like comics and graphic novels, I always urge you, you know, if you've never tried them before, give them a try. If you've tried one type that you just didn't care for or one book, like if the first comic book you ever picked up was From Hell by Alan Moore, that might have been something a little too dense to start with. Maybe start with something a little lighter. So I, Apocalypse Taco would be a great entry level. It's it emphasizes imagery so much. It's not text heavy and there's so much going on and it's so funny and creepy and weird that I really think that a lot of horror fans will dig this. I, when it came out, I, you know, screamed about it on Twitter everywhere I could, but I didn't see a whole lot of people talking about it. The creator, Nathan Hale, is best known for comics dealing with history, I believe. Like, he tries to teach kids history through comic books. And as I understand it, this was kind of a departure for him. But he knocked it out of the park. I'm telling you, it's like if Edgar Wright and Richard Stanley and David Cronenberg made a movie together. So if you're in the market for Tooth Demons, Carnivorous Nachos, like I mentioned, I think that bears repeating. And possibly Evil Bees that are kind of trying to take over the world, you really need to check out Apocalypse Taco. It's something that if you do have kids in your life, you can share with them and might be kind of a, a gateway to weird fiction which is always a good thing. But the goal of this podcast is to kind of expose adult fans to books that they might have brushed aside or ignored because they thought, oh no, that's a kid's book. I, I wouldn't be interested in that. Trust me, you will be interested in this if you like weird fiction, if you like cosmic horror. It's a great one to check out. So Apocalypse Taco, put it on your reading list. <laughs> Next up is The Dark Deep by Ali Condi and Brendan Rikes. Brendan Rikes is actually the son of Kathy Rikes, who wrote the famous series of procedural novels on which the TV show Bones is based. I've not read those, even though I really dig procedurals, things like that, but just a little trivia tidbit there for you. The Dark Deep, as usual, we're going to start with a synopsis just to give you kind of the rundown on what it's about. I usually do my level best to avoid spoilers. I'm never going to tell you, oh, and when we find out that so-and-so is the killer, I just lost it. And I, I'm not going to spoil things for you. I'm not going to give you an entire plot synopsis with a blow by blow of what happened. Because I hate it when people do that to me. And I really like people to be able to discover things for themselves. I like recommending things to people. But once I've said, here's this book, here's why I think you would like it, I like to let them run from there. If they don't like it, that's okay, but I don't want to ruin the experience for them. So if I'm ever vague on plot details, or if you're listening and you think, well, what happens next, Jessica? I'm probably not going to tell you. I'm sorry. You just, you just have to go out and read the book. I hope that you do. So The Dark Deep, which is all one word and is one of the things I love about the book, but we'll get to that in a moment. Everyone in Timbers knows Still Cove is off limits with its creepy beast sightings and equally terrifying legends. But when a bullying incident sends 12-year-old Nico Holland over a cliff and into Still Cove's icy waters, friends Tyler and Emma, and even Opal Walsh, who usually runs with the popular kids, rush to his rescue and discover a mysterious island hiding in the murky, swirling mists below. 
Though the island appears uninhabited, the kids can't shake a feeling that something about it is definitely not right. Their suspicions grow when they stumble upon an abandoned houseboat filled with all sorts of curiosities. Odd-looking weapons, unnerving portraits, maps to unknown places, and a glass jar containing something unidentifiable. And in its lowest depths churns a dark, deep secret. As the group delves deeper into this mysterious new clubhouse, their lives begin to intertwine in weird and dangerous ways. For something ancient has awakened, and it can detect not only their wishes and dreams, but also their darkest, most terrible imaginings. Do they have what it takes to face the shadowy secrets lurking within their own hearts? So first of all, the title, The Dark Deep. Dark Deep, all one word. I love this title so much. It is so evocative right away of this horrible mystery that you can never get to the bottom of. It's so dark, it's so deep, light can't penetrate it, you'll never find the bottom of it. It's completely unknowable. It's perfect cosmic horror title. That was one of the things that drew me to the book right away. Um, I'm a kids book blogger and I see a lot of titles. You know, they, they're constantly announcing new releases and new acquisitions. So a lot of times just the title will be something that will have to grab my attention because there's so many kids books being put out every week, which is a good problem to have, of course. And this one caught my attention right away because it, it immediately tells you there is something really messed up at the bottom of whatever is so dark and so deep in this book. This book is so good at suspense. It's really fast paced. It feels like something that you would read under the covers with a flashlight as a kid, but it's so suspenseful and it'll keep you on your toes as an adult too, so don't think that this is just for kids. It's split up into four parts. Each part ends on a cliffhanger, including the very end of the book, but luckily there's a sequel that's already out called The Beast. I have not read that yet, but I really need to. Um, if any of you listeners out there, I hope there are some of you out there, um, if any of you have read The Beast and you want to tell me what you thought, let me know. But like I said, no spoilers, please. This group of kids, if you're into the Stephen King Stranger Things vibe where a plucky group of kids gets together, they band together to defeat evil, this book is your jam. The group of kids... Their friendship is so palpable. They're a really tight-knit group, and of course they've got the addition of the popular girl who kind of infiltrates their posse, but it's really cool. All the dynamics between the kids are really cool, and there are a lot of references to classic horror. There's definitely a B-movie feel, like a 50s sci-fi creature feature feel going on with this book, plus then the 80s vibe of like the Monster Squad. It's essentially like take your pick of a 50s creature feature meets the Monster Squad squad but it's not a throwback there's a there are a lot of elements in there you know obviously Stephen King's it feels familiar or even the group of kids in Stand By Me except this group is a little more diverse my favorite of the group is Emma she's obsessed with horror movies she's obsessed with practical effects and effects artists uh, she can quote entire cult classics from beginning to end you know I I don't care if Ali Condi and Brendan Riggs threw her in just as fan service to adults who might be reading the book because I appreciate that fan service as a fan of a lot of the movies that Emma references in the book. Plus it kind of serves as a, a watch list for kids like oh hey I'm gonna check that movie out later. I'm going to check out this Evil Dead too. That sounds interesting. So when they find the dark deep they discover I might be giving away a little bit here. I don't think I am but I might be giving away a tiny bit. Um, they discover that when they go through it, they can create figments. And the figments are 
images that the dark deep pulls out of their head. Like if Dan Aykroyd goes through and he's thinking of the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, the dark deep is going to produce it when he gets out to the other side. And um, they, they play with all these fantasies. They explore, they use it as their own personal wishing well, basically. And it's a lot of fun. It's so human. It's so relatable. Who wouldn't want to play with something like this and explore, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of something that I would do with it. I would probably create, you know, a million puppies and kittens and play with them or, you know, create a water park or something, you know, just really fun things. Imagine any scene in a movie or a TV show or anything where people discover that they have wishes and they start wishing for bigger and bigger things. Like, no, use your imagination, go bigger, go more fun, go wilder. But the dark deep is a double-edged sword because not only can it pull out your fantasies, it can also pull out your fears. So the kids start realizing that not only are their most fervent wishes coming out of their brains, their deepest fears, the things that scare them the most, are coming out as well. And it becomes so creepy. It's, it's like every monster movie ever combined together. But it's never too much. It makes sense in the story. It's really organic. It's really imaginative. And it's, it's so much fun. It is such a fun book. And like I said, it's so relatable. Who would not take advantage of this? You can't tell me that. I mean, granted, I probably would not just dive headfirst into a swirling vortex inside a mysterious curio museum filled with like taxidermy models and stuff. I'm too smart to go into haunted houses and I'm too smart to go into clearly cursed museums with vortexes. Vortices? Vortexes. We'll, we'll Google that after the show and maybe I'll keep that part in. So it can be a learning experience for everybody. But if I did happen to be in that situation and I did learn that a vortex would grant me wishes of things I want to see more than anything else. If I want to see, if I want to ride on the back of a purple giraffe, I'm going to ride on the back of a purple giraffe. I am not too proud to admit that I would take advantage of that 100%. And I bet a lot of you would as well. So it's so relatable. And you really feel for these kids because a lot of these kids are, they come from families that don't really care a lot about them, that don't treat them well. So they've got a found family situation going on with themselves, which I think is part of the appeal of a lot of these plucky groups of kids who get together. In the 80s, especially, it felt like a bunch of those groups of kids were latchkey kids or abused kids who didn't really have anybody other than their friends. And as horror fans, I think a lot of us feel like outcasts at times. So a lot of us have had to find families of our own. And that's why so many of us relate to, you know, the trope of the plucky group of kids get together to solve a mystery or fight a monster or what have you. Because we, we want to be in that group of plucky kids. We want to have that found family who you know, battles evil and kicks a bunch of monster butt. So I think ironically that's part of the appeal of The Dark Deep is that wish fulfillment. Reading the book is like going through The Dark Deep for me before things get bad. I can, you know, have that fantasy of that found family and that group of friends that band together to protect each other no matter what. I think that's why it would appeal to a lot of kids for the target age range, but I think that's why it would appeal to a lot of adults too. Plus, it is just so fun. It's suspenseful. It's clever. There's so many references for people of any age. 
Um, I'm I'm a huge fan of Atomic Age cinema, and there's so much of that. It's it just bleeds through on every part of the page. But there's also the cosmic horror of it because where did this vortex come from in the middle of this weird curio cabinet in the woods? It's it's so strange and so creepy, and I absolutely love it. So that's the dark deep. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a bit of a failure, I, I will admit, because I have not read the sequel yet. But I loved the writing in the first one, so I really need to check out the second one. And like I said, if you have read the second one, if you can let me know if it's as good as the first one without spoiling anything for me, I would definitely appreciate it. So that's it for Cosmic Horror Middle Grade Edition. If you check out Apocalypse Taco or if you check out The Dark Deep, please let me know what you thought. I hope you love them as much as I did. If you have any recommendations for me, I'm all ears. I'm trying to remember if there was a creature in Apocalypse Taco that was literally all ears. It wouldn't surprise me, but I don't remember right now. But yeah, if you've got recommendations for me, let me know. I'm always on the lookout for more cosmic horror, more middle grade fiction, because middle grade fiction is my favorite age range. It's my absolute favorite. So in future installments, I might cover more YA than middle grade, but I'm still, my heart lies with middle grade. So, so yeah, thank you so much for listening. Please follow, like, give me, what do you think of the show? What do you think of the books? What should I have on future installments? Um, and thank you so much. Squad.